Welcome to Euractive's Tech Brief Podcast. My name is Alina Klaasen, your technology reporter. This week we look at the EU's preparedness for post-quantum encryption in an international context by looking at the dynamics between the EU and the US. For an overview on all things technology in the EU, sign up to our free newsletter or visit the website Euractive.com. This is Euractive's Tech Brief Podcast. Today I'm joined by Heike Hagemeyer, an expert at the German Federal Office for Information Security, BSI. And our second guest today is Andrea Rodriguez, Lead Digital Policy Analyst for the EU Digital Agenda at the European Policy Center, EPC. We're here to talk about the EU preparedness for post-quantum encryption. This topic will be split into two parts. First, we will discuss the issue that the EU needs to address and the example of Germany. In our second episode, we will look at the dynamics between the EU and the US. Hi, both. Hi, Alina. Hello. So with a brief introduction into the topic, quantum computers not only outstrip supercomputers' capacities, but quantum computing is also rapidly developing. So it also offers new opportunities in the field of technology, such as AI, And quantum computers will also allow for the decryption of sensitive documents and state secrets. So EU governments, for instance, operate under rules that sensitive documents will be declassified between the next 20 to 50 years. And by means of download now, descript later, uh, the dissemination of sensitive information is estimated at around seven years. That is the information from the latest paper of our expert Andrea Rodriguez on this topic. Now governments face the issue around the world that challenges of ensuring encryption and cybersecurity in a post-quantum era needs to find a solution. I would like to directly dive into this first part where we will discuss the EU context more deeply. In particular, we look at the EU and Germany. So I would like to dive into by asking both of you. First, Heike Hagemeyer. For our listeners, could you briefly explain what post-quantum encryptions are and which cyber threats the EU and European companies will have to deal with? What does the term harvest now and decrypt later mean in particular? Yes, of course. Um, yeah, it has been known since the 1990s that powerful quantum computers will be able to break the public key cryptography that we use today. So uh, this is because these cryptographic schemes are based on mathematical problems. Um, for example, the problem of, of decomposing numbers into their prime factors. And uh, these problems uh, are difficult to solve with classical computers, but comparatively easy with a quantum computer. And post-quantum cryptography refers to cryptography refers to cryptographic schemes that are assumed to be unbreakable even with a quantum computer. These schemes are currently being standardized. Um, however, the standardization of new cryptography is not enough. For example, cryptographic cryptographic protocols must also be adapted to the new algorithms and depending on the application entire infrastructures must be adapted for example public key infrastructures and even if quantum computers are not able to play cryptography now this is not just a problem for the future uh, encrypted data can already be recorded today and decrypted later when quantum computers are powerful enough 
Das ist das so-called Store or Harvest Now Decrypt Later Scenario. Thank you so much for the elaboration. And now to you, Andrea Rodriguez. There are currently two potential solutions for the private and the public sectors. Could you elaborate on quantum key distribution and post-quantum cryptography? Of course. Um, as uh, as, as uh, Heike uh, said before, uh, post-quantum encryption, post-quantum cryptography are a set of algorithms that are believed to be quantum resistant. Um, but they are not the only technological solution that we have to deal with quantum um, attacks. Uh, the other uh, technology that is being developed right now is what we call quantum key distribution. So quantum key distribution works uh, with, uh, with the principle, under the principles of, of quantum mechanics. Um, so it's, uh, it's something a little bit more uh, elaborate or different than what uh, we're used to um, have or employ to, to protect our information online. So um, in simple terms, quantum key distribution enables two parties to establish a secure communication link um, using uh, principles of quantum physics. So in that sense, what uh, we would do, uh, we would encode the information in quantum bits that have like special properties and then send them over this channel. And then the other party will receive it, decrypt it, and obviously read the message. So that's, this sounds really nice. It's a new way of thinking about information, but it has also like several disadvantages. One of them is that um, because of the uniqueness of quantum bits, information cannot be copied. Digital information nowadays can be copied. This is a nice feature for security because that means that you can prevent information theft. But on the other hand, uh, there is other properties such as uh, uh, when there is a lot of noise in the channel, um, you, can see, you can see it or in the sense that it can uh, prevent the communication from happening uh, because uh, these, uh, these bits, like um, they will not be entangled anymore. Or uh, moreover, uh, you can perceive that there is like something unusual happening and therefore stop communication. Again, great feature, yet complicated from a security perspective because that allows for um, like a higher chance for DDoS attacks, which are one of the of, uh, of the biggest like cyber threats that we're having. Whereas like post-quantum encryption, is, It's tend to be believed as a safer, uh, if we want to say it this way, because uh, first of all, we don't need new hardware. Uh, we can use what we have right now, so we can run these new algorithms on the hardware that we have right now. Whereas like for quantum key distribution, we would have new devices and new hardware. It can be like extremely costly. Second, because of the level of maturity right now, uh, post-quantum encryption is uh, it's more mature than uh, quantum key distribution. There's like some technological advancements that still need to be done in order to be able to rely on this technology. So all in all, these are like the two big technologies that we are having right now at hand and that uh, we are thinking that they could play certainly a, a, a great role in, in futures, um, Euro in European cybersecurity future. Thank you so much for your elaboration, Andrea. Now to you, Heike. End of August, the market survey on cyber um, cryptography and quantum computing was published by the BSI in collaboration with the KPMG Germany. Could you briefly outline the key finding of whether organizations are ready to, to transition to quantum-safe cryptography? Yes. Um, yeah, the results of the survey have been quite disillusioning. Um, yeah, first of all, we un unfortunately had a rather low response rate. We sent out a total of 150 questionnaires and received only 28 responses. Uh, the organiz organizations that did, did respond were for the most part already well aware of the issue. 
that we saw this as an indication that most of the organizations had not yet any contact with this topic. And um, questions uh, we asked included, uh, for example, when will quantum computers be able to break cryptographic pro procedures? How long does data need to be confidential in the organiz organization? And when do the organization plan to start switching to quantum safe cryptography? And how long will it is it likely to take? So taken together, the answers to these questions provide the result as that organizations estimate that they will be on average 6.5 years late with the transition to post-quantum cryptography. And yet the threat to cryptography from quantum computers is only considered by a quarter of the organizations in risk management. And with these findings, um, what could you possibly draw from them? So you mentioned that it takes almost seven years for companies to transition and they are already these seven years late. And if we think in the context of the now download now descript later um, attacks, how do you combine this? Do you see a threat there? What could possibly mean this outcome of this survey? Yes, of course, there's a threat. Um, uh, we think that um, the organizations have to, to start now to to look at this threat and to um, be prepared um, to to think of um, a way forward. And um, depending on how long the data the organizations deal with is needed to be secure, uh, they have to prepare now and they have to start the, the migration now. Well, thank you so much for the elaboration. I would now like to turn to Andrea. You published also a paper called Quantum Cybersecurity Agenda for Europe. Could you give us an overview of the challenges that you identified and Could you also elaborate on what Heike has just mentioned? How do you put these pieces of puzzles together? Thank you very much. Um, yes, sure. In July this year, like the very end of July, like as everybody was getting ready for their holidays, we published this paper, which was um, the result of, of a consultation process or a, ref a reflection uh, process that we uh, were leading from the European Policy Center in collaboration of Quantum Delta um, NL. And in this paper, what we were trying to say is that in order to be able to respond to future threats, in order to have a cyber resilient Europe, uh, the European Union should definitely start thinking about a quantum cybersecurity agenda, building on what Heike has uh, said before, that we are definitely late um, to start our quantum transition. Um, I, uh, there was like something that we included, that I included in the paper, that, that just, I think really um, clarifies this point. Um, in Europe, the average uh, number of years that a country uh, would have to declassify documents, it's 20 years. really depends on the country. So for instance, in, in France, uh, the general rule, quote unquote, would be 50 years. In Belgium last year, um, they, they passed a law um, of a 2030 and 50 year uh, rule for declassifying documents depending on secrecy. And a similar rule can be found in many European countries. As, uh, as she mentioned, prospects uh, say that we will have a, a significant Uh, cryptographically significant quantum computer as soon as in seven years. So uh, things that are happening right now 
or that has happened have happened in the past, in the recent past, that would not be ready to see the public eye, let's say, under the laws that we have right now, could be decrypted and, and put uh, for like public investigation as, as soon as in seven years. So you can imagine as well what the societal consequences of, of this uh, would be. So based on this type of, of threats, and of course, the one that was, was explained before, Harvest Now, Decrypt Later, um, we uh, elaborated this, uh, this document in which we had a very like, clear recommendation. So um, first, what we did was, um, was um, compare the US and the EU, not because of anything in particular, but rather because the U.S. Have, has been building a regulatory framework to allow for this transition to happen um, via a series of memorandums and, and acts and laws. And we thought it could be a, a very thought-provoking experiment to present um, these advancements uh, to the EU, considering how EU's regulatory power is, is oftentimes praised and, and certainly is a useful um, instrument the EU has. But um, but not only we did that, we we also wanted to come up with like a series of policy recommendations. One of them uh, was uh, certainly to have an EU coordinated action plan on the quantum transition. Why? First of all, because it's not a regulation, so you can put it together much faster. The second uh, is because it's uh, it's you need member states to adhere to that on a voluntary basis. So um, you're not making every member state to. To you know, to be to create uh, this uh, instruments and and framework to be to be able to do it, but because it's a voluntary adherence, at the end of the day, there's going to be peer pressure. That's something that we saw in the EU coordinated action plan for AI. So um, that's something that 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 was our main policy recommendation. And then we also uh, had uh, many others, such as like a new working group within ANISA, or just facilitation at the technical and political level to address research gaps and in exchanges. Because as as Heike said, we. Um, by speaking with member states, uh, I found out that many member states see this issue as an R&D issue. Therefore, they're thinking about uh, quantum and the threats associated and challenges of quantum technologies as something that is going to happen in the future. But yet uh, we are monitoring developments, but we are doing nothing. And other interesting finding was that um, in smaller member states, Simply, there is no capacity to, to, to address this. So I'm thinking of uh, very small member states that have a, a champion, a cyber champion team within um, their relevant like, public institutions. They need to, at the same time, monitor the landscape, apply the new regulations, and try to think of new frameworks to upgrade their, their cybersecurity and cyber resilience. So with all in all, we think that, uh, that European coordination is more than necessary and more than needed. And that's uh, a little bit of what we wanted to address uh, through this uh, discussion paper that uh, we have online, so it's like public, everybody can can go and read it. Thank you, Andrea, for your elaborative answer. So with what has just been said, I would like to turn to you, Heike. Which areas would need support from the German government? Since you are working with the BSI, I was wondering how can this dynamic that has just been mentioned on the EU level as well as with uh, European member states, be also an issue for the German government and what role will the BSI play in the context of the quantum technology action concept, which was presented in the Bundestag in May? Yes, um, yeah, the BSI is uh, the federal cyber security agency in Germany. And so we are responsible in particular for the security of the IT uh, in the federal administration. And in the high security area, uh, which was the protection of classified data, the BSI uh, started the migration to post-quantum cryptography many years ago. 
and um, this was in, in line with other uh, nations, uh, for example, in uh, in NATO and in the EU. Um, in other areas, the, such as critical infrastructures, for example, this uh, has not yet begun, so it has to be started. And um, for this, the BSI and the German federal government as a whole has to make and will make specification for this. And um, yeah, this is also laid down in the quantum technology action plan. And this, this action plan uh, initially focuses on promoting quantum technologies in Germany. However, it also considers the threat that quantum computers pose to IT security. And uh, the goals that are set there for migration to post-quantum cryptography include for, um, the creation of a federal government strategy for migration to post-quantum cryptography, the continuation of the migration in the high security sector, and the migration to post-quantum cryptography in other security critical areas. Thank you so much for the elaboration. So now, since we already have seen how Germany or how the German government is trying to establish a solution for this and position itself. Andrea, I would like to know, since you just mentioned that especially smaller member states don't have the capacity to address this issue, what would be your policy recommendations? And given that the EU countries also have different positions on the privacy encryption, in your opinion, how should the EU position itself as a whole? Um, I think that's a, that's a very, very interesting and, and important question, the one that you asked. Um, I think that precisely one of the steps to address the capacity gap that we have in, in different member states would be uh, facilitating, as, as I mentioned before, um, political and technical coordination. ENISA has a, a played a role. Well, we've seen with um, other Uh, working groups, how successful they, they were. So I could only uh, foresee a new expert group uh, with seconded national experts within EMISA to address um, like, and identify like obstacles and, and exchange good practices on implementation to push quantum encryption as, as, uh, as a top priority. Um, why do I think this is a good idea? Because uh, precisely as it was mentioned before, um, small member states perhaps do not have the capacity to address this, but big member states, as for example, Germany, they definitely do have it. And by exchanging um, like this uh, good practice by regular meetings and just going there and presenting these migration plans, that could certainly be of uh, the minimum inspiration for other member states. Um, the second one is like to facilitate political coordination. So this uh, this this is not only a, a technical issue. So when we speak about quantum cybersecurity or the way that I see it, for example, is it's uh, it's also a political issue because of the um, severe potential economic and societal and security consequences that not being on time for this migration could, could have to for, for the European Union. So uh, so therefore, like we need to have every single actor aligned in this. This means, of course, ENISA, as I mentioned before, but it also means having uh, the EU member states, national cybersecurity agencies, Uh, under like this uh, strong framework of coordination by the European um, Commission. Also because uh, we've been speaking about was quantum encryption and at the beginning of my intervention, I also mentioned quantum key distribution. Um, and that's uh, also an interesting technology that perhaps not right now, but it could be also interesting to see which um, use cases could be developed in the future and, and for what specific um, like gaps this could be used to improve cyber cyber security also considering how for instance um the eu the eu is investing on, on these uh, type of technology through for instance um 
the, your QCI network, the quantum internet. So uh, that's something that I don't want to rule out. We don't have to go, under my opinion, only for post-quantum encryption, but we need quantum encryption coordination first and then investigate what we can what can we do with uh, with QKD, with quantum key distribution. Um, also, another interesting thing that I haven't mentioned right now is because of of the technological gap that we need to uh, that we need to address uh, in the EU. I think it could be interesting to explore the use of sandboxes uh, in here to try and to improve and to test uh, near term applications uh, when it comes to, to quantum technologies that could be used uh, for cybersecurity. And all in all, as I as I mentioned, uh, it's about uh, helping all member states to to get ready to uh, develop a cryptographic inventory, to be able to access the tools necessary to scan their networks, to be able to identify the suitable post-quantum cryptographic algorithms and to be able to, at the end of the day, carry on this uh, quantum encryption that, uh, as that has been mentioned before, is more urgent than ever. Thank you, Andrea. That was really insightful. So now, Heike, I'm wondering, what is your opinion on what has just been said? And what measures should be taken because you are more in the position of having um, a better view on what's actually in the capacity of governments. So I'm wondering, how do you see a practical implementation of the theories that are currently being drawn out by experts? Yes, um, thank you. Uh, before I start, I uh, just uh, I briefly want to uh, agree to Andrea that uh, post-quantum cryptography is the first priority for uh, the BSI and that quantum key distribution is a, a nice solution which we also look at but we, if we say transition or migration to quantum safe uh, cryptography we also uh, we only uh, mean uh, post-quantum cryptography <laughs> sorry post-quantum cryptography at the moment so And uh, yeah, in order to prepare for the threat, um, the first thing that needs to be done is to be aware. That's um, not the case in Germany, as we've uh, seen, um, as I've just said in the um, survey with KPM KPMG. So um, we have to, to raise the awareness uh, in uh, Germany. And um, yeah, as a, as a first step, uh, What the organization can do to be prepared for the, the threat is, um, as uh, Andrea also said, uh, a crypto inventory that you have to uh, to look at um, how much is your organization affected by the threat. So there are some questions that have to be answered, like which products are used to protect sensitive and confidential data which cryptographic schemes are implemented in these products and how much are they affected by the quantum threat? And uh, yeah, how long is the lifetime of the data that is protected by these products? These are the, the initial questions that, that, you, that every organization has to answer for themselves. So, And the BSI already published uh, recommendations on the migration to post-quantum cryptography in 2020, and we updated and um, supplemented them in our guideline, quantum-safe cryptography. And um, yeah, these uh, recommendations uh, include, in particular, the use of hybrid solutions and cryptographic ag agility. Um, let me f uh, briefly explain this. Uh, hybrid solutions mean uh, that you uh, use a classical cryptographic scheme, um, ex for example, for a key agreement and together with a post-quantum 
scheme and you combine the output of the of both of the schemes together. So you have the security from the post-quantum world and the security from the classical world. And uh, cryptogra cryptographic agility means that if possible, that you Uh, build your products in such a way that cryptographic mechanisms can still be exchanged or that key things can be adapted you, during the, the lifetime of the product if there is a weakness in the mechanism that, that you have uh, implemented so you can change it uh, uh, if necessary. Thank you for the explanation. Is there anything else one of you would like to highlight that comes to your mind right now? I think that for me, the most important thing to highlight is uh, it's um, or the result of this conversation at the end of the day was to to see how um, technology is advancing on the one hand, how the number of, of cybersecurity challenges and cyber threats multiply, but yet um, the frameworks that we have to respond to them when it comes to, for example, the use of, of, of quantum safe uh, technologies, they are not there yet. So uh, as, as it's very interesting for me to, to hear how Germany has uh, taken this uh, challenge uh, seriously and how they are advancing. But I would like to, to see uh, more member states to also like, come up with like, these types of, of, of plans because uh, I think it's certainly necessary. And just as a very last idea, and I think this is like extremely uh, widespread, um, like an extremely widespread metaphor that I'm going to use or an extremely widespread message that I'm going to, to, to basically like, like speak. Um, in cybersecurity, we are as strong as the weakest link. So I think that precisely because of the different uh, challenges and threats and because of the severity of them, we cannot uh, be unprepared for, for the things that are definitely going to come, whether we prepare or whether we will not prepare for them. Andrea, thank you so much. And both of you, thanks a lot for your time and this fruitful discussion. This was the first part of our two-part podcast series on post-quantum encryption. Thank you so much. That's all we've got time for this week. Don't forget to sign up to our free Tech Brief newsletter to stay on top of tech news and digital policy developments in the EU and beyond. Also, don't forget to subscribe to this podcast published at Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher and Amazon Music. This episode was produced with the technical help of Wilson Bell. I'm your technology reporter Alina Klaasen and thank you for listening. Music